Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have the Professor. Hello. How's it going? I'm good. Fun week? It's been fairly quiet, all things considered. So no so no panic uh, from the recent coronavirus cases and whatnot? No, none of my end. I've got a couple of friends who are in isolation, but uh, they haven't been confirmed yet. Ugh. Yeah, I'm still a bit afraid of going, going outside and nowadays just because it's everyone's starting to become a little bit panicky well yeah i'm not entirely happy that the uh the logan staff got to come to our head office today (laughs) hey look on the bright side at least you get more people to talk to in the office i'm perfectly happy with never talking again (laughs) in fact why don't i do that this is your episode take it away (laughs) Can't sign it, Professor. Don't leave me. Don't leave me in silence. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that, that's so painful. And uh, speaking of painful, uh, you've got a story about Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay, it's not about Five Nights at Freddy's specifically. Yeah, uh, I guess it is. It's about the developer deciding that game developer communism is good. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know it sounds nuts, but it's an interesting uh, copyright model. He's opened the, basically opened the field for anyone to do a Five Nights at Freddy's game, and he will help get it published. Okay, so he's doing what the, what the Chinese government does, doesn't he? Which no, is basically because he fun- consents to it. The, uh, the Chinese government is perfectly happy with taking your stuff without you consenting to it. Oh no, but they do also help out the funding. Yeah, they do in some cases. But so anyway, the uh, it's called the Fazbear Fanverse Initiative. And Scott, who makes the games, is going to help fund them and help get them ported to consoles and mo- mobile, including releasing merchandise for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it uh, reminds me of... Um, it actually reminds me of the Metro series. The author of that has basically opened it up to let people write stories to- told in the universe. And uh, I found uh, someone pointed out that uh, Tuhu is also under a similar model. Hmm. So does that so does that help game development as a whole, or or wait, or, or it's yet to be seen. Yet to be seen, but I think um, <clears throat> assuming Scott does some sort of curatorship, then the uh, so assuming Scott does some curatorship, the initiative could lead to making it easier for a up and coming game dev to make an idea using uh, without having to build the community. So they've got concepts already for the the characters they don't need to build a community because the five nights of freddy's community is huge Mm. oh yeah yeah just curiously though uh okay so can you explain to me what's the difference between what he does and what your average games company does your average games company will sue you into the dirt if you tried to publish a game using their characters as opposed to th- this person's he's going to support you to publish it okay and there's no legal paper no legal strings attached or anything like that there doesn't doesn't seem to be i mean i'm sure um i'm sure there's some catch where you know you have to uh actually no he doesn't take a cut of the the game sales because the games are being released for free i don't know about the merchandise side though we haven't seen the contract hmm Initially, he's picked out five five or so projects, uh, and he's working with them. But as he opens up the initiative to more people, there will probably be leaks about the contract. Okay. So, do you reckon he'll be he'll have uh, a lot of success with this, or you reckon it's uh, it will uh, tr- it, it, it will um, fail kind of thing? I think it will be successful. There's a huge community already waiting for more. Uh, Freddy's content mm-hmm. and the a bunch of the stuff that uh, Scott's promoting in this first first round of uh, of games spinoffs is uh, some of it's a sequel to previously released mods and some of it's a remaster of a previously released mod. So I think there's definitely a community. Mm. Curiously though, would you say this is kind of this is a little bit like outsourcing it though? Uh, no, I think it's more like <clears throat> licensing the content. 
Okay. So if they were outsourcing, they Scott would find a developer and say, I want you to make a game to this specification. In this case, it's more the developers have gone to Scott and got permission to uh, to make their project. Okay. So, and uh, by the way, these are all console ports, aren't they? Or not mobile? Not mobile gaming. Uh, he's going to help them get it ported to console and mobile. Oh, okay. Where appropriate. Okay. See, here's the problem, though. Like when it comes to mobile gaming, a lot of people have this. Uh, a lot of people have this notion that mobile gaming is just a cash grab. So that's yeah. That's the thing. Like, I mean, I mean, typically, if you get a mobile game that is a pre-existing game, it's successful hmm. because it it obviously has the pedigree. Yeah, and uh, with the whole fr- with the whole Five Nights at Freddy's um, spinoff, so will this affect the continuity of the main series, or there'll be other thing to also probably consider? not. Probably not. They'll probably uh, be non-canon, hmm. which is, I believe, the same as the Metro series. So the Metro uh, spin-offs are non-canon to the main uh, the main plotline. Okay. How long before the uh, other games companies c- catch wind of this and go, maybe this will be a good model? Uh, a couple have tried already. I don't think anyone's gone as far as supporting entirely new projects, but some developers have tried to license for mods. Bethesda is still running the paid mod store. And also publishes um, on their the, the official Bethesda mod store. They will publish banned projects that are particularly high quality. So, when you mean by uh, the paid mod store, you mean the uh, Creation Club? Yes, that's it. Yeah, apparently they've got they've undergone some bit of a fiasco as well, from what I've. I'm seeing here. Yeah, it started off being really unpopular. The reason for that is that um, the it started off being a bit predatory. There were mods that weren't as good quality as alternatives available on the the free mod store for money. So people were really upset about that. Yeah. The other question we also have to wonder is the um, timeline for each of these projects and whether they can be able to whether they they can be um, on time even with all the funding, like some projects would go, okay, we've got all this funding, but then it'll be like, nah, nothing. <laughs> well, they're fan mods by people who already have a proven record. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to a concern. Yeah. Well, uh, let's hope it doesn't become like, uh, what's that one? The Starcon, was it? Star Citizen. Ah, right, that. <laughs> Where where it was like, yeah, we're, get, we're getting all this money and nothing's coming out. I mean, not Man. even a... Not even the beta. For a moment, I thought I could hear Buck. <laughs> but yes, I think this is going to have a lot more content coming out than Star Citizen. Because Star Citizen is still in active development as a major AAA game, and they don't like leaking stuff before it's ready. But they do have. Out. Well, they have an open beta, open alpha, <laughs> but the. Uh, so they have, you know, an open project for people to join in, but the it's a bit of a mess. They are now like the best funded game developers ever and going on eight years or something. They massive feature creep, all the weirdness with the selling the spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> eight years. Wait, eight years and you still haven't gotten anything? Man. You can get in the spaceship and fly around. <laughs> uh I I I I I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. But uh but, but with this with, with this initiative though, so like do you reckon um it is this will be easily exploited though? If uh, let's say if, if this if the first few games come out and they are successful, do you reckon um other uh, games companies will see this and m- exploit this model? I hope so. Just because I'd like to see more open uh, licensing for fan works. When it comes to open licensing, it it opens up a big can of worms in terms of fair use and copyright, wouldn't it? It does. That's why I think um, this hasn't been as popular in America as it has in other places so far. And then there's also the question of uh, money distribution. Is it going to be a fair distribution? I don't know what cut uh, the mod developers are getting for the Fazbear universe, Hmm. but uh, I know that 
one of the complaints about uh, the Creation Club was that the the developers weren't getting a big enough cut. Bethesda was taking too much from the from the mod developer. Yeah, because I know Epic's Epic Gaming's um, cut is it's like a sixty forty or something, like sixty to the gaming uh, to the game developers and forty for the Epic Game Store or something like that. Yeah, but so um, it's actually different to that. The uh, Steam, I think, is seventy thirty. Epic was like seventy five twenty five. I'd need to double check. But what I'm thinking of is companies like Bethesda putting out a mod, and it's a bit of a different situation because, uh, well, Steam and Epic Launcher are stores, whereas the uh, that just sell the game, whereas the Creation Club is a store that sells mods for an existing engine. So I think that's also why a lot of people are upset about the uh, the split. Okay. This will also um this will also be a big boost for indie gaming as a whole, wouldn't it? Yeah. So Scott is uh obviously an indie developer and I think he's trying to support other indie developers, which is I consider that a great thing. Hang on a second. So I've got here yeah, so you're right. Um Steam does its usual seventy thirty revenue split. Epic Game Store does a eighty eight twelve split. Okay. Ah, so so yeah. the the epic split is a lot lower than I was thinking. <clears throat> yeah. Thinking. Yeah. So you know the um the fair split basically comes down to an argument about the services that Steam and Epic provide. Uh, Scott seems fairly in depth on helping with the marketing and um release and publishing, but the he said that he's staying out of the development. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. At, at least it's. Uh, uh, it, I think he. I think Scott understands the fact that that um what games companies tends to do is they tend to interfere into the creative process of game making and twist the process up. Yeah, and he it, doesn't want to affect sort of their uh, their artistic vision. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, which is good. Like uh, like nowadays, creative freedom is just cre- artistic cre- artist. Uh, there words. Uh, artistic and creative freedom are not palpable and not not allowed nowadays because uh, games companies like oh no 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 you have to do this no 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 you have to do that and like there's not much control anymore like yeah a lot of people are upset about um, publisher meddling particularly uh, Take Two is known for forcing or at least the developers claim they're forced to include all of the microtransactions. Oh, I just hope those indie ga- I just hope those go- those games don't have microtransactions involved. Ugh. Yeah, but at least uh, f- uh, at least the fan reaction to this news has been uh, pretty ex- excited. Fans love it. At least it keeps the ge- at least it keeps the momentum going and it brings the interest back. Of like, yes, Five Nights at Freddy's is it's kind of like a resurrection, but not a, re- a not a resurrection to the franchise in a way. Yeah, it's I mean, kind I- of like that. It yeah. um I think this will bring a few people back to the main uh the main series. Yeah. yeah. And uh speaking of all things uh interest fan interest and um hype, DC came out uh during um last weekend with their own but with their own called DC Fan Dome. Dome, dome, dome. <laughs> Wow, you're really into that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I wish I could put the echo effect on this, but... <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's I like... mean, if you want to wear it, you can. I'm too lazy <laughs> to do that for you. <laughs> so um, DC came out with DC Fandom, which is basically an event um, aimed for the DC fans and featured online um, panels, cosplay, fan art, comics... Um, and special event for the kids. The DC fandom uh, will be excited um, with all the with some of the um, long-awaited DC properties. And this event, which was kind of like Comic Con, but without the Marvel hippie stuff, um, you involved. are really channeling Buck tonight. <laughs> I know. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm getting the. Gl- I, I think it's something to do with the glasses, or there's something in the water, or something. But. <laughs> But um, yeah. So they've got a. So if you're a fan of DC, the of characters such as Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, um, some good stuff have happened. Um, fortunately for though, this is a two-parter event. So we had the we had the first event that came out on the weekend, 
which um, which showed the comic books to movies to TV shows and video games. The second one, which will be held on September the 12th, will be something similar. But yeah, this at least this was to um, at least this whole event was a positive in term to uh, to outshine the negative, which was all the massive layoffs and stuff that we that we heard all while back. So um, even though this is a huge event, here are some of the highlights that I found. Um, so there is a new Batman movie com- coming out. So just one thing though. So DC had layoffs. Yeah, DC had layoffs. Yeah, DC. And this comment. is positive for who? The people who got laid off? Uh, for, no, as in it's out. I was I meant to say that um, this is to out. This is to out- overshadow the negative news. Right. That the, 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 the layoffs happened. So, but yeah, uh, but yeah, as I was saying for the highlights. Uh, so we the. One of the biggest one of the biggest highlights was the Batman movie that came out, the Batman movie trailer, which has Robert Pattinson as uh, Batman. Good trailer, by the way. And um, so, what's oh, special about this one? Are we going to have to watch the origin story again? Luckily, no. Luck, luckily, no. This is this story is going to be based on sec- Batman's second year as Batman. So okay, I can still see them squeezing in a uh, origin <laughs> story there. Please don't do it. We've seen it enough. <laughs> it's it's like watching Spider Man, uh, the Uncle Ben, t- Uncle Ben thing over and over again. Like, eh, what's going on? Which, to be fair, the uh, the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies did that themselves. They put that scene in like all three of the movies. <laughs> um... It's like they had. The first one where uh, Uncle Ben actually gets killed, and then they were like, the second one, it was like it was this bad guy who killed Uncle Ben, and then they flashed back to it again in the third one. <laughs> oh man! And so I'll, I'll, uh, the, tra- the trailer looks beautiful to look at, by the way, because um, it's Robert Pattinson in the Batman outfit. It looks beautiful to look at, really beautiful. Do you want to admit your feelings for Robert Pattinson? <laughs> I, I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But, um, yeah. Look, so- I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> I have a sudden for I have a sudden foreboding sense of 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 horror in this one. <laughs> well, you know, he was just a a massive uh, tween girl icon. <laughs> In Twilight. Well, so yeah. you, can, you can look yourself in with screaming preteen girls if you want. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the even though the movie's like 30% shot, um, yeah, it wasn't, it isn't scheduled for release until the October, October 21, um, October 1st, 21. Uh, it's already receiving a spin off show. Um, so only right, a few soon. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Wait, they're not even halfway done and they're already spinning off. I know. Uh, well, look at it this way, though. Like, it, it's Batman. I mean, there's so much to that you can talk about the Batman universe for ages. Like, there's so much things to explain. But, um, yeah, so for those who are not familiar with Matt Reeves, the director of this one, he's also the director for War of the Planet of the Eight. The remake? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, he was... T- so Matt Reeves, uh, he showed up at the event uh, saying, knowing that he's had to show something from his rebooted B- Batman movie. And uh, the movie is influ- is coming from in- um, influences such as Chinatown, uh, Taxi Driver, and The French Connection. He's also explained that the how the villains such as, uh, in this movie, by the way, which is the Riddler, the Penguin. Oh, by the way, the Penguin, interestingly enough, is Colin Farrell. And when you see okay. his when you see his face on the trailer, it's like that does not look like Colin Farrell. And uh, Zoe as opposed Kra- to the penguin in the Tim Burton movies, who yeah. looked exactly like Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure he was in makeup. Uh, I think the nose was the makeup part, but yes, you you missed my massive sarcasm. Oh uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like the aesthetic of the uh, the Batmobile in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. The Batsuit as well looks really cool, like with the whole Batman logo, which manufactured from the gun he, uh, that was used to shot, shoot his parents or something like that. I've heard Where did he get the gun from? Well, they said that the, well, the story goes that he dropped the gun or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So his parents were murdered. He picks up the gun. How is he not prime suspect? 
<laughs> Car- it's, it's, it feels like a, a fairly grounded design. The, mm. the Batmobile is basically just a black muscle car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I like how um, how um, Robert Pattinson is a mo- looks like the moody emo teenager in Actually, this one yeah. as well. I just realized what the uh, the Robert Pattinson Batmobile reminds me of. The last of the V8s. Last of the V8s? You know, Mad Max. Oh, right. Yeah, that that, that machine. Wow, that was a good... That, that's, a, that's a cool machine. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so with those with those villains, by the way, and Zoe Kravitz plays as Catwoman. They all have their old um, different points of the journey, and so the directors basically described that this is a year two story as dealing with the duality of the character in, in a story that could really happen. So for those who are not cur- for those curious, so as I said earlier on, year two is basically the second year of being a Cape Crusader, still trying to figure out how how best to tackle his corrupt city and learn his. Seemingly squeaky clean philanthropist family might not be so upstanding. I wonder if they're going to have uh, Alfred as an accomplice in this one. <laughs> because See, some was... of the Batmans have uh, have Alfred as a capable crime fighter himself. But like, if this one's going to have his family not approving of him, is uh, are they going to have Alfred as a bit of a foil? Oh, that would be pretty funny if the, if the, if that happened. Alfred. Wash my bat suit. <laughs> you know, sir, I don't approve of you going and murdering people. Can you imagine, like, if you're a Batman and, uh, and your Batmobile is in the in the shop for service, and be like, sir, I, I sir, sir, you can use my car. <laughs> it's like some Mini Cooper. You're like, damn, I wish I had my Batmobile. Or you know, um, when you go to the the mechanic and get the uh, the loaner car, and it's just this dodgy little car with like broken seatbelts and stuff. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Alfred's car's the loaner car. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, moving along with the uh, fandom event. So there was also a Wonder Woman 1984 trailer that came out, and um, for this event they had. Uh, Linda Carter, the TV Wonder Woman. So she was the one that introduced the new trailers for the sequel. Uh, not much footage except for a new, che- a new, um, uh, oh, not new, a design for Cheetah. And that was the coolest part of the trailer from after I saw it as well. And here's a, here's a, cra- here's a cool, here's an interesting one. The Cats directors will be silently cheering for this one. Is it the butthole cut? No, <laughs> I wish it wasn't, but <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, with this one. So um, why why are the cats directors cheering? Because uh, Cheetah is act so the character design for Cheetah is like is similar to the cats. I see. But I will say this: so I saw the tra- I saw the trailer as well, and it was really good to look at. Really good. Like they didn't put there. There aren't much um, new footage per se, but. Uh, like I said the the new um che- the not the new the cheetah um costume looks really cool to look at. Um, so they were talking about uh so they were also talking about how this will be a delightfully eighties new trailer and yeah um not continue, moving along we had the Justice League the Snyder Cut this thing has been for years in the making like so many years that ev- everyone has been talking about this for ages. Like there was a fan movement called the hashtag release the Snyder Cut, and after so long, so long, we finally have it. So there is hope for the butthole cut. <laughs> what is it with you and the butthole cut? I just like the meme. <laughs> I don't think it will fly in the on the on, on any cinema. <sighs> But they yeah, can just so, release it on streaming services. Yeah, I don't think streaming services will accept that either. But yeah, um, with the uh, with the justice with the Justice League, the Snyder Cut edition. So yeah, so so you know the story. What happened with the Zack Snyder Cut, don't you? Yeah, like, he uh, left the production and they finished it without him and ditched like half of the work he'd done. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, like Zack Snyder le- um, stepped down from the project because his uh, daughter passed away. So Joss Whedon had to take over at the time. 
So, um, so now that so after so much pressure, Zack Snyder said, "We'll we'll um, release this cut." And so the cut's going to be now on HBO Max. And the teaser trailer came out for it. And uh, and some uh, new facts have come out that uh, this will be a four hour long ep- uh, mini series. And uh, the trailer for it, it ca- that came out, for, uh, the trailer for that one uh, had the Leonard Cohen's um, Hallelujah, and it introduced um, a lot of new f- new footage from the um, old mo- fr- from the Justice League that were cut out, like uh, for example, Darkseid showing up, um, Cyborg and the Flash doing more stuff in the, in the movie, and um, what else was there? Oh, and how to, and more more talks about how do they bring how do they bring back Superman as well. So what's uh what else? What else? A uh, couple of games have also been uh, one of the games has been announced. Um, Gotham Knights. So um so the developers behind the uh, Batman Arkham Origins they've released a new game called Gotham Knights, which is a co-op game, and it will be starring Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood, and they will protect the city from protect the city after the death of Batman. So they're facing up a villainous group known as the Court of Owls. And there'll be other members of the Rogues Gallery. So yeah, but the unfortunate thing though, it won't be set in the same universe as the Arkham game. So yeah, but it looks really cool though. Like I've seen the uh, gameplay footage for that one, and I will say it looks it, it looks really good. Looks really good. Um, there was also a flat. There's also a Flash movie coming out. Um, the plot for this one is basically uh, Flashpoint. So the story goes is the Flash saved his mother and has developed. Uh, has made an alternate timeline where Bruce Wayne died instead of the parents, and um, other crazy things happen. So it's up. I can to... just imagine Batmum. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Oh Bruce no! Bruce Wayne's no. parents become vigilantes after their son gets murdered. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it, it, ironically though, um, in the animated one, uh, actually, I don't know whether it's animated or in the comic book as well, but um, both of them, I think the mom goes crazy. I think Bruce Wayne's mom goes crazy, but the dad goes, um, yeah, the mom goes cr- cr- crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the dad becomes Batman and Superman was never, di- Superman wasn't discovered by two family, pe- two country people. And, um, uh, a lot of other changes in that flashpoint. So apparently, for this one, this will st- this is this movie is the movie that will start introducing the multiverse, the DC multiverse, basically. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just moving along. Um, so uh, a new Suicide Squad is coming out. It's going to be called the Suicide Squad. Is it a reboot? Um, it's. Yes and no. Yes, it is a reboot, but no, it's not a it's not a full hard reboot. So basically, uh, who we have here? So they've got the uh, lineup here. So Idris Elba is going to be playing in this movie. John Cena as well, and uh, Pete Davidson as well. And it's going to be directed by James Gunn, who used to be uh, famous for the Guardians of the Galaxy movies over at Marvel. I know he's famous for getting fired for making some untasteful Wait. comments oh didn't, but didn't you know he 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 went back in the head he got he got hired in the head yeah Look, we're, we're gonna fire you for two months but then you can come back <laughs> like how the heck did you how the heck did that happen like did was it oh it was so weird though like it doesn't oh. have to make sense oh it's it's marvel <laughs> Like it was so weird when that happened. So yeah, the tra- um, well, it looks like Marvel really stick to their guns. <laughs> God damn it, Barb! God damn it! <laughs> so um, yeah, the Suicide Squad had a lot to reveal. We didn't get really a full trailer, but uh, it was a roll call tr- teaser trailer. Um, so one of the villains is uh, Idris Elba. He plays as Bloodsport. And it's got a lot of other characters as well. Like, uh, what's one of the characters? Polka Dot Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is weird. I'm like, like, wow. Okay, that's a really weird, weird choice of uh, characters you've got there. But it's good though. Like, it's good to see some of the mainstay characters in there. Like Margot Robbie as the as Harley, and um, uh, and um, the guy who plays as uh, the Joker. Oh, not the Joker. Um, Boomerang Man. That's the one. But um, another suicide property, another suicide squad, um, this time in the video game formats, also coming out. 
Um, it's going to be by Rocksteady, and um, this one is basically you play as a you play with four characters. So it's Harley Quinn, King Shark, Captain Boomerang, and um, Deadshot, and they have to kill the Justice League. So the trailer looks really cool to look at as well. And this game will be um, coming out on PlayStation Five, PC, and Xbox Series X. Uh, there's also a Black Adam movie, which The Rock is going to be playing in this one as the main character. And it's been t- this one is 10 years in the making. And the story goes is um, Black Adam is a is a before he was a ruler of a Middle Eastern country known as Kandak. He was a slave. And um, now that he now that he reclaimed it, now he um, claimed the throne, he can cu- go up against maybe Superman one day. So it's Black Panther, but Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you could say that <laughs> but the rock as black adam that's a very interesting concept i mean he he did the announcement a while he he did do the announcement a while back but uh yeah that was a that was an interesting announcement interesting so uh the rock who where's the rock from uh samoa yeah going to play a middle eastern guy <laughs> It, it, I think I think it can be done. Yeah. So the story goes in here. It says like he felt the burdens and pressures of a large entity holding him down. And he can't take it take it anymore. When you come from that place, it can be very different different energy, and it forms how he operates and delivers justice. So in, in this and later on, he he um the Rock also teased that certain characters from the Justice Society of America, such as Hawkman, Doctor Fate, Cyclone, and Am Smasher, will be incorporated into Black Adam. Um, what else is there? A uh, new Aquaman um uh, new Aquaman um details came out, so it'd be coming out in 2022, and it, the sequel is going to be more serious and relevant as well. Uh, some other some other uh, movies also came out. There's a, Shaz- a new Shazam movie coming out known as Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Uh, Sa- Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I don't know whether you're familiar with the Sandman comics. I'm not. I mean, I know uh, of them, but haven't read them. Yeah, so they're coming out on Netflix, and uh, the t- uh, from what I've gathered, the story. Is not going to be um, starting not in 1998, but it's going to be now, and um, it'll be a, it's a pretty it'll, it'll call it a liberating experience basically. But this comic book has been um, in the making for a long, long time. Um, what else happened? There was also uh, the Flash TV series. Uh, seventh season has come out. Uh, the trailer for that one was uh, pretty interesting to look at as well. I've been following the C- the TV series, and uh, yeah, there's there are some good moments and there are some interesting moments. But yeah, yeah, but we'll have to wait and see for that one. Um, on the on the comic book side of things, uh, there is a uh, Milestone Comics is coming back. Um, they're they they they're pretty famous back in the day for uh, uh, introducing a very known hero known as. Static, who's famous for the TV series Static Shock. And uh, Milestone, Seri- Milestone Comics was also famous for the uh, black comic book creators and uh, cup- as, and as a publishing- comic book publisher will mandate the address of underrepresentation of racial minorities in superhero comics. So, yeah. Okay. The, uh, um, yeah, so I've, now that I've dis- uh, described all the highlights for it, the question is going to be, is this going to be um, the new norm now that... Um, co- now that has beaten Comic Con. I wouldn't mind that because there's a lot of these things that, you know, I can't go to because they're in America. Yeah, yeah. And it's also the uh, economy of information in terms of like how much information was relayed to us. But uh, yeah, the- I think also they, if they decide to keep doing this, they'll uh, dial it in over the next couple of years. This is the uh, first year they've done a major, um, you know, a major online component. So yeah. I think we'll see probably see more of it next year yeah. and hopefully they'll get the issues ironed out yeah and uh like i was like uh i've been looking at some of the articles some or some of the articles saying like dc fandom solved all the problems by not trying to replicate the convention experience instead it leaned on the virtual only restrictions and created an entirely uh digital experience and um where where comic-con tried to focus on the content fandom embraced its global audience by including a significant amount of international presenters and fans and it was more accessible while comic-con did not even include in english subtitles um it was also a a bit of an issue yeah yeah it was also live streamed as well 
it felt like a true convention. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like pre-taped moments, you know, like, oh, yeah, they were all pre-recorded and stuff. Um, What else happened? There was also, it felt like a spectacle as well. It felt like a real spectacle. And, yeah, it, um, oh, hang on a sec. There was also, oh, this one also looked, it looked pre-recorded and um, DC Fandom was also pre-recorded. Okay, I, I didn't know that. Ah, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, I think this was a this one was an overall success, a very big big success. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. Finally, for our topics, uh, we've got a story about a self-powered wildfire detector. And how does that work? Oh, simple. We uh we use ourselves and power this thing. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> you can like not do that again. Damn it. So, um, yeah, so with this new prototype fire detector, it doesn't need batteries. It is powered by triboelectrical generator. Oh, interesting. Which, so it harnesses small motions to produce energy. So the design consists of a top and bottom set of uh, slightly different uh, sized concentric cylinders, one bottom in a cup, um, copper film and the other one in Teflon. They interlock and are connected by a rubber band. Um, the bottom set is weighted as such um, when hung from a swing ba- branch. The uh, cylinders move up and down against each other, converting the branch's erratic movement into electrical power. That's really cool. Like I was thinking this would be more of a, a drone, but it's more like a thing. You drop it in a location on a hanger from a tree, and then when it detects the fire, it will ping back a, a signal. Which is really cool. It almost from the from the way they worded it, it kind of sounds like it's an electrical version of a wing chime. Um, wing chime. <laughs> so so yeah, it's an electrical wing chime, and um, one of the guys. What Are you the, saying um, wing chime? Wind. With a G. Wind. Sorry, my G's and D's are not coming out right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so one of the uh, one of the p- uh, developers in this um, with this project said that this design can generate electricity from the slightest motion of tree branches. All it needs is a breeze to provide power, but the fire creates air currents, meaning power will likely be readily available. The technology is both fireproof and waterproof because it has no batteries. This is a great application of a, a mobile sensor net. Well, not mobile, but a, a sensor net using presumably cheap uh, sensor capsules and having them harvest energy from the environment. Yeah. And interestingly, this only costs $20 to produce. And it's theoretically much cheaper than satellite monitoring or manned patrols. So it is cheap because these days, manned <clears throat> man patrols, they often fly a light aircraft around looking for smoke and flying gets expensive fast. Yeah. And not to mention time consuming. I mean, like, how far do you have to fly? For, how, how far do you have to fly from the airfield to the crisis, to the nearest, to the nearest crisis um, spot? Be pretty much like an hour. To maybe what, an hour and a half, yeah. Depending on conditions. And another advantage of this is that if you lay them out in a grid of, say, they mention a hundred meter intervals, it gives you a fairly uh, accurate location of the fire, and it can't be blocked out by smoke and dust. So when you look at the satellite images of a, a fire, and there's a huge plume of smoke, you can't tell where the fire is without using. Uh, say infrared but presumably a network of this spread across um spread across the the forest would help a lot yeah and uh, they're saying here the device has several advantages over current fire surveillance approaches um it's not only cheaper and easier to operate in the long run it will also provide more continuous monitoring than satellites which often appear only periodically over uh, specific parts of, of Earth. And unlike satellites, the uh, system would not be blinded by weather, local weather conditions or the smoke or, and dust, dust of wildfires. Come on, DJ. I know it's Friday, but I literally just said that. I know. I know. One thing that really will uh, be interesting, though, is how would it deal with wild animals? Well, the animals aren't going to give a damn about it. But it's can a you plastic imagine- canister, you know. What do they? What do they care for? Yeah, but like, can you imagine a koala just like beating that thing, uh, uh, like, like um, using it like a punching bag kind of thing, and it'd be like, it'd be <laughs> like, 
Oh, oh crap! A, f- a fire! A fire! Well, the good news is it won't do that because the um, the sensors it uses aren't triggered by motion. They're triggered by carbon dioxide. Well, carbon monoxide. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, wildfire scientists he says that um, the challenges is going to be is that you might need a hundred of the new sensors just to cover one square area of land. Yeah, and but that- twenty bucks per device. That's a fairly um, fairly cheap for you know a sensor net and mass producing it could get it cheaper. He's uh for, he's also saying that while this is a exciting development, uh, the technology has not been tested in the field, and he adds that uh, the devices are not meaningfully comparable to optical techniques that can spot smoke plumes over vast areas from fire towers or aircraft or s- satellite sensors. Yeah, they are targeting a different aspect, really. Uh, but I hope they keep looking at this because alternative methods of detecting fires are pretty important. Yeah. Since a a fire can be so destructive, we want every chance possible to um, every chance possible to find it. This technology, it would be perfect in the Australian conditions. Yeah, um, maybe not in like way out bush in the desert, but in places closer to cities where there's forest that would fit. Yeah. So, you know, once you get out past the dividing range, everything's pretty flat and treeless. But having it in, say, uh, the well, from the dividing range east, there's a lot of forest there. And that that burns sometimes, like uh, like last year, especially around Brisbane, the Lamington National Park burnt down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this would have helped them detect, detect the fire sooner, but um, that's the sort of application for it in Australia. You're not going to use it out in Charleville. Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, I mean, it's... I don't, I don't understand it, though. Like, this is, you've got, like, something that could potentially save people, yet at the same time, like, people are saying, like, oh, but this is not tested, and it's... A th- like... Okay, if you want to get it tested, do it then. Get it tested. Like, why just why 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 say it instead of just doing it? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, large scale testing like this costs a lot of money because they'll have to pay someone to go and drop one of these every hundred meters. And yeah, yeah, but like, I, but even even if I grant you the fact that it does cost a lot of money, at least it's it, it's. It's good for the. It's good for the. Um. It's good for the many. It's it's like the whole argument: the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, things like that that people don't seem to get. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, um, Professor, what have you been playing um, this week? Well, I've been playing Forager, which I covered a, a few weeks ago now. I've well, put no. a bunch more time into it, and it's uh, getting close to exploring everything. Oh. It's um, surprisingly more dungeon-based than I was expecting. So some of the islands you unlock actually have dungeons on them that you can go into and explore, like a Legend of Zelda dungeon. Okay. So uh, what was it? What Any new discoveries? Yeah, once you uh, get the automation going, things are a lot more interesting. It just takes a long time to get the automation going, in my experience, compared to something like Factorio, where you're automating right from the start. Okay. Uh, any any big any big flaws you've encountered? Um, yeah, it it's sitting in this sort of awkward place where it's set up like a, an automation game, but crossed over with a Zelda game, and I'm not sure that that works really because they they both involve a very different set of um of skills and attention spans. Like, uh, you set up the once you've set up the automation in Factorio, you can go away and leave it for a bit to produce some items. In uh, Forager is something. Forager, else. you can't really go away. There's nowhere to explore apart from the islands you've unlocked, and 
there's only half a dozen dungeons. So once you've done the dungeons, what next? Mm. Is the uh, the question I have really. Mm. And now my save's corrupted, so I don't know that I'll ever find out. <laughs> so uh, how many Nerdy Beanies out uh, of five would you give this one out of? Um, I'll put it up to three. I think um, I might have given it two and a half last time. Okay, let me check. You, I think you might have given it a... Uh, you gave it three. Oh, that's uh, the other day. Uh, second. Huh. I think you gave it a three or something, but um, yeah, I'll have a look. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, um... uh, well, yeah. I'm feeling a bit more into it than I was, but still not uh, hugely into it. Okay, okay. I've been um, playing Super Circuit Breakers, which is a top-down shooter, and uh, yeah, the control is pretty interesting. How how um, you use your um, W S D um, keys, and you have to use your mouse to uh, to um, to uh, shoot your to shoot and uh, c- control your sh- um, control shots. But yeah, it's it's a it's a small game, but um interesting to uh, interesting graphics and stuff. Mine's Is it of, just um, an action game? Yeah, it's just an action game basically. And you might need a I think you uh, might need a lot a lot of people for this one as well. Like a, it's a four people it's a four person local. Okay, but it looks really. I didn't cool. know you had that many friends. <laughs> uh I do. <laughs> But yeah, you can um, you ha- you have a range of weapons as well in this game. So it's kind of like a. It re- do you remember Contra? Yes. Yeah, this game is similar to Contra. Okay. But from a, a top down pos- from a top down perspective. Uh, but for this one, I would give it a <coughs> three point five out of five. Okay. So uh, onto our shout outs, and uh, on the twenty fourth of July, twenty twenty, um, Anne Sidrell, who helped give computers a female voice, passed away at seventy four. Anne Sidrell worked in computer voice synthesis. She created the first female voice in nineteen ninety, based on work she had done in the eighties. Shortly after, she developed a technique using pre recorded. Um, Phenomenons and um, recorded six women at, as the basis for an award-winning synthesizer. She died of cancer on the 24th of July, but her um, death was announced earlier this week. On the 25th of July, U.S. journalist Jew Rushfield pronounced "emu" for "emu" while reporting on the case of Winston, Church, uh, Winston Charles Featherbill and "emu." Who has gone missing? He claims that many other American reporters and um, editors pronounced it that way, but we don't recommend it. The emus have already won one war. Don't give them cause to start another one. <laughs> oh man, gotta love the Americans when they try and pronounce something. Yeah, I just remember seeing um, clips of Oprah doing her Aussie tour and saying literally everything wrong. <laughs> I saw the Simpsons trying to pronounce emu, and they did it wrong as well. They're like emu. So uh, you'll have a good laugh on this one. But uh, yeah, so uh, moving along, uh, KFC will no longer uh, be finger licking good. Ah, <laughs> uh, so they're dropping the slogan due to complaints that the behavior could spread coronavirus. Uh, they could have used the slogan such uh, since they've they've used the slogan since they've um. Uh, founding in the 50s, and dropped it from for 18 years from 1990. The slogan changed on the 25th of August. I wonder what they're going to change the slogan to now, though. Yeah, at the moment, it seems to be just like, uh, that That was our slogan, don't use it, don't do it right now. So maybe <laughs> they'll bring it back in a, you know, in a year or two. <laughs> so uh, on to our uh, remembrances. Uh, so on the 25th of August, 79 AD, Pliny the Elder. So uh, Pliny the Elder was a Roman author, naturalist, philosopher, military commander, and friend of Emperor Vesp- Vespasian, um, died on the 25th of August, uh, 79 AD. Uh, Pliny had sailed to rescue a friend from the Mount Vesuvius eruption, but strong winds had held the sixth pyroclastic uh, surge, kept, uh, from, surge kept him from leaving... Po- port where he probably died of a heart attack his nephew pliny the younger witnessed the eruption from afar and recorded his observations not knowing of the fate of his uncle yeah so uh, they were heading back to the boat and pliny was just like you know i'm a bit tired i'm gonna sit down here 
<laughs> and they found him the next day dead. Oh, man. Oh. On the uh, same day in 1867, Michael Faraday, pioneer in electromagnetism, uh, died at 75 in Hampton Court. Michael's work uh, formed the basis of electrical motors, induction, diamagnetism, and electrolysis. He popularized the term cathode, anode, electrode, and ion. And his photo was kept on Einstein's study wall besides Newton and Maxwell. The SI unit of capacitance was, is named as in his honor. Now, that's one of the one, one accomplished man. Yeah, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of stuff based on his work now. I did recall a story where some guy um, managed to get free electricity by using a Faraday cage. I doubt it. Now, you could couple to a, uh, say, a high-voltage power line, but I don't think a Faraday cage would do that. And in that case, it's not like free energy is in perpetual motion machine. It's free energy is in you're ripping off the power company. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the power company was like, hey, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen um, people who have done... I don't know if anyone's, like... I, I assume this guy actually did it, but... I've seen a proof of concept where someone built a um, an antenna that they could lift up below a high voltage power line and draw power from it. But that's uh, that's something Tesla was working on as well. You can wirelessly transmit electricity. It's just extremely inefficient. Ah, uh, there we go. I think I found it. Apparently, a bar owner in the UK has built a Faraday cage to stop customers from using their phones. Yeah, that's a different situation as well. So he built his own Faraday cage. Uh, it was pretty ingenious that involves installing metal mesh in the walls and sealing of the bar to essentially filter out electromagnetic signals. Yes, and I understand that uh, that's actually illegal, though, because it counts as interfering with a um, with the signal. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but oh, it's... And, um, uh, 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 here, here's another one. Um, here's another example of Faraday cages um, um, doing crazy things. Uh, so an Australian man has used snack bags as a, as a Faraday cage to block tracking by an employer. Yeah, so chip bags, foil, like these foil bags, they're actually uh, Faraday cages. <laughs> oh, man, that guy. I, I hope that guy didn't get fired for it. Look, if your employer is trying to track you, I think you've got bigger issues. <laughs> like your employer is a bit of a dodgy bugger. <laughs> so, um, oh, 103 years later, uh, Ta- Tachu Nato, N- Naito, who founded electri- earthquake-proof uh, design, passed away. His works include the Tokyo Tower and other broadcasting towers. He was inspired by the motion of luggage on a train. His innovation was vindicated in the... Um, the Great Kanto Earthquake in 1923. He died at 84 in Tokyo. Um, on to our famous birthdays. Ivan the Terrible um, was a great prince of Moscow from 1533 to 1547, then, then Tsar until 1584. Ivan was appointed Grand Prince when he was three years old. As the founder of Sardom of Russia, he is claimed to have suffered from paranoia, rage, and mental instability leading to ki- to him killing his son and unborn grandson. His living son was unable to rule effectively, leading to the end of the Rurikid um, dynasty and the start of the Time of Troubles. He was born on, on 25th of August, 1530. On the uh, 25th of August, 1903, Arpad Elo was born. Arpad Emmerich Elo was a professor of physics at the Marquette um, University and the creator of the Elo ra- rating system for chess. Elo's system iterated on the Harkness rating system and and was accepted by the FIDE. Uh, the Elo system is based on the Harkness rating system. Ah, fair enough. Thank you. Uh, was accepted by the FIDE in 1970. He calculated the rankings himself until the mid-80s. Modern rankings for other games, including video games, are based on ELO's system. He was born in Igihasa Ciesco. That's a fun word. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Hungarian, so <laughs> I don't expect you to have uh, a great understanding of it. Nope. And on the uh, 25th of August, 1958, Tim Burton was born. Uh, Tim was Tim is known for his unique style of gothic fantasy and horror, including Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, and The Nightmare Before Christmas. 
He also directed and produced the 1990s Batman films. He was born in Burbank, California. His films commonly include Johnny Depp with Danny Elfman scores. Oh yeah, that uh, my favorite example to highlight that, Alice in Wonderland. Boy, that was a weird movie. Yeah. I feel like these days Johnny Depp plays Johnny Depp more than he plays his characters. <laughs> I can imagine being the director, you have Johnny Depp in there, like, you just put, be yourself, Johnny, just be yourself. So on to our events of interest. Uh, Starting on the 25th of August, 1835, the New York newspaper, um, The the Sun, uh, published a series of six articles describing life and civilizations discovered by Sir John Herschel a prominent astronomer of the time. This wondrous discovery, including bat-winged humanoids, unicorns, enormous crystals, and strange temples. Unfortunately, the Sun published this as a satire of people who seriously believed in life on the moon. This even fooled Yale scientists who wanted to view the original papers. That must be the first troll troll job people have ever experienced. One of the big early ones, yes. Can you imagine saying that now? I think people these days are a lot better educated and wouldn't fall for it. Really? I mean, the flat Earth is still around. That's a fair point. (laughs) So, uh, moving along. On the uh, 25th of August, 1939, The uh, Wizard of Oz opened in US theaters. This movie classic featured uh, Judy Garland, only had a modest success in cinemas, but became increasingly popular after being aired on television in 1956. It was one of the... first 25 films to be put on the National Film Registry in the United States Library of Congress, which is reserved for culturally or historically significant movies. Uh, I'm assuming you uh, you love those movies. Um, no, I'm not a huge fan of musicals. Come on, this is The Wizard of Oz. I mean, it's one of the classics. Like, my friend... Like the the um the beautiful songs by Judy Garland, like somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, I'm still not a huge fan of musicals. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, five years later, in 1944, Paris was liberated after four years of Nazi operation uh, occupation. The uh, German garrison refused to follow Hitler's orders to destroy landmarks and and burn the city. The next day. Charles de Gaulle led a liberation march through th- through the city. And that was an impressive victory. And uh, on the 25th of August, 1991, Linus Torvalds um, announced the first f- version of Linux. He began work on the Linux uh, kernel to take advantage of his uh, new 80,386 computer while he studied computer science in Helsinki. In 1994, he made the first public release Linus uh, left the project in 2018 to work on his infamous abrasive personality. His personal, uh, his preferred distribution is Fedora. Wait, what infamous abrasive personality? He's known for being a bit of a jerk. Really? Yes. <laughs> how how much bit of a jerk are we saying? Here? Are we saying here like uh, he would slap someone's protein shake <laughs> off a gym? That type of jerk, or uh... I don't know that he'd physically attack someone, but uh, discussions with him can get very heated. <laughs> so not as bad as those people. Not as bad as the uh, Twitter arguments, huh? Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, personal insults. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, he decided he would just... I think he was pressured by someone else, but he decided he would just get out and try to get better. Can you imagine being that guy who told him just go, look, man, I know you have troubles, but you need to get help. (laughs) Can you imagine being that guy? I'm sure lots of people have... uh, Lots of people have asked that. But imagine saying that he, he, he get like thrown out with words, go like, get yeah. out of my office right now. I don't ever see you again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a- anything else before we uh, wrap up? Um, well, where, the, where can they find us, DJ? Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, our, we have an old archive ep- um archive of our old episodes uh, in that's not canada.com uh they can also find us on pod hero uh which is as the professor will let you know 
Yes, uh, for $5 a month, you can support us and other podcasts. Your subscription is divided among the podcasts that you listen to, depending on how much you uh, listen to each one. And we gladly uh, would love to get uh, support from you guys because uh, um, from with your support, we can make awesome content. And uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, take care of yourself, stay hydrated, and uh, hooroo! We'll see you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.